Hello everyone, and welcome to the Reading Party Podcast with Megan and Lexi. Together, we'll watch, snack, and chat our way through books and films set in the ancient world. We bring our expertise as ancient historians to the table to dissect every detail. We hope you'll grab your favourite beverage and snacks and join us every week on this adventure. Before we start spilling the tea, a brief note on our content. The Reading Party podcast is created for adult audiences. The stories of the ancient world are full of violence and undisguised sexual content, and your hosts aren't afraid to curse up a storm. For those reasons, this podcast is not suitable for under-18s, and certain episodes may not be suitable for those living with trauma. This season focuses on the Iliad and Odyssey, known for both brutal violence and instances of sexual assault. Episode-specific warnings can be found in the show notes, but folks, please keep yourself safe. With that in mind, let's get going. Lexi and I have our teas and are so ready to start spilling the tea on a ton of ancient stories. This week, we're talking about Wrath Goddess Singh, a 2022 book by Maya Dean. Drawing on ancient texts and modern archaeology to reveal the trans woman's story hidden underneath the well-known myths of the Iliad, Wrath Goddess Singh weaves a compelling, pitlessly beautiful vision of Achilles' vanished world. The gods wanted blood, she fought for love. An innovative spin on a familiar tale, this is the Trojan War unlike anything ever told, and an Achilles whose vulnerability is revealed by the people she chooses to fight, and chooses to trust. Do you have your tea? I do, I do. I have green tea. This is a combination. It's like a passion fruit, cinnamon, pepper thing. Mm. That sounds amazing. I think everyone needs, everyone needs to know our tea recommendation. So tea aside, we should talk about Wrath Goddess. I guess like diving right into it. I mean, I guess the first thing we should probably say is, you know, did you have any sort of conception? Like, did you have a, did you go into it with like a mild idea of kind of what you were going to encounter? Or were you like, just picked up the book and were like, okay. So yeah, it, I've not actually read any novelizations of the Iliad before. So I didn't have any like, well, actually that's not true. I've read ah, Women okay. of Troy, I guess. But in my brain that was super divorced from the Iliad which is a really weird way to compartmentalize the book because the Iliad is the entire goddamn backdrop and we're not going into that because we will do an episode mm-hmm. on that later anyway so I don't know I so I read the Iliad when I was in college because I did my undergraduate degree was classics and Egyptology Assyriology stuff so I've read the original and studied it to a certain extent so I know the story pretty well and this is absolutely not what I was expecting even a little bit like you you read the dust jacket and you're like okay cool it's achilles and achilles is trans and it's going to be the iliad with a, a female protagonist it's absolutely not it's amazing and i think i got like three chapters in and i was like this is this is a fantastic and b absolutely not what i was expecting at all how about you yeah you know i really i I don't think I have actually read any novelization of the Iliad. I read the Iliad. I had to read it an astonishing seven times in my five years of undergrad. I don't think I had to read it all the way through like each times, but I know I had seven different classes through my five years of undergrad where they were like, you're going to read at least parts of the Iliad. So 
I'm like, okay, okay. You know, so I, I don't know. I, I feel like at some point I started to tune it out because I was like, yeah, yeah, I know the basics. Just, yeah, like get me through the class. It's but, this again. Yeah. Oh, so this was a completely new experience. And I was, I mean, I knew I was excited. And I talked to Maya before I started reading. And yeah, mm-hmm. so I was kind of like, can you tease a little bit? And she only teased a really small part, which was like, she was just like, beware of dolphins. Oh, and don't think of Helen <laughs> as your normal, oh, damsel in distress, whatever. And I was like, that's the only thing I mm-hmm. had in my mind. So then I started reading. And I think, honestly, I hit chapter two. And then I was like, oh, 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 this is what? <laughs> it was so different. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm shocked. But in the best possible way, I was like mind blown. Mm-hmm. Oh, in an absolutely amazing way. And it's a lot of it, I feel, is kind of taking maybe what we expect about historical novels and completely subverting them. And it's, it was just, it was, mm-hmm. it's beautifully written. The plot is very, very compelling. So we're, this episode, we're only talking up to chapter 19, which is about the first half of the book. And I'm going to work very hard to not spoil it and go further than that, because I actually have it open next to me with the first page of chapter <laughs> 19 to make sure that I don't go further in the plot that I'm supposed to. But it's, it's so, so good. And the characters are so well-written and so well-rounded. And it takes, for me, I think one of the the key differences with what I was expecting is the relationship Mm -hmm. between Achilles and Patroclus because everybody writing about the Iliad queers it which is I'm all in favor of clearly but they queer it by making Achilles and Patroclus a romantic couple and this manages to get at the intensely close and intimate relationship between the two characters without making it romantic and I think that was a very clever and be very very well written. I mean, I really love the direction it went in. I think I was more shocked, though, be, but like the, the portrayal, I suppose, of Agamemnon, because all you all you hear is, you know, yeah, actually. from what you see in some popular movies out there, you know, you just see kind of like old man who's grumpy and is power hungry. And he's just like, I want to go, you know, conquer Troy because ha ha ha. <laughs> and so the whole dynamic between them. That was yeah. just, also was just massively I mean, I mean, unexpected. How, ma- um, how much of this are we spoiling? I think we just go we for it because I think go um, for it later. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to yeah. go for it. But like to have her have a relationship, like an actual physical relationship with her, and and yeah. to have him be like, oh yes, yes, you know, I'm I'm actually quite kind and you know caring. Yeah, kind of sensitive in a way, which again, not what you no, expect from Michael. Like at he's all. a raging dickweed, and I want him dead. <laughs> No, he's super sympathetic in this. Which is a weird feeling. And Menelaus is just like... Yeah, what is up with him? I was like, okay, I mean, I suppose you could sort of feel sympathy for him anyway, just based on, you know, he's the dude whose wife was either stolen or ran away, depending on interpretation. But having him be like, oh, I'm super protective over women. I just want to protect them all the time. I was like, what? What? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. very. Clever. I do think it's. I think this whole podcast could just be summed up with "This is really, really." Clever. That, that should just be the name of the episode, right? This is a really clever book. Yeah, but no, I well that and then no, I found it. I found it quite 
Interesting. I mean, I grew up with the Percy Jackson books, and so I'm, I'm used to the modern day sort of mm-hmm. expressions and, and words used. I was a little caught off guard when, to me, a lot of the book reads as very contemporary. Now, I don't know why that shocks me, because I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it's for a contemporary audience. But also, but since it's set in the ancient world, like there's a mixture of like ancient it, yeah, it's and not modern expressions. I like it. It mm-hmm. works. I just, I, w- I think I was taken a little off guard. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, would they know what this is? I mean I think at one point don't they talk about like there being an umbrella and and so when it's described it, it it's not like a modern umbrella it could describe it as being like some canvas and a stick or whatever but but to call it an umbrella I'm like whoa <laughs> so yeah yeah that was that was unexpected but 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 you know makes it read a bit easier I suppose yeah it it really does it really does we should probably like give a brief synopsis of ah, what has happened yes. in the story up until chapter 19. I'm just like, this is amazing. I need <laughs> yeah. to talk to you about it right away. But everyone else hasn't read it yet. So haven't, hasn't. My tenses are wrong. Anyway, it it opens with, with Achilles on an island. Skiros. Yes, which I have not. Have you been to Skiros? I've not been to Skiros. I've been to Syros. I have not been. But it's it opens with yeah he's on an island he sorry he should not be doing that she misgendering Achilles there apologies she is on an island with a princess who is her girlfriend and they're both trans women and it's just I mean it's an amazing opening if you because it's not just it's it's not a lazy queering of the story it's the, I'm sorry not very articulate when I get excited it's. The whole trans identity and storyline is essentially the main overriding factor of a lot of the book. It's not overwhelming and it's not repetitive, I don't think, but it's it's very much ingrained in the entire storyline. It's not this kind of big shocking thing that happens once you find out Achilles is a woman and then it's never ever spoken of again. Like, the trans women in the book are central characters and actually trans man and central characters and they're beautifully and very well-roundedly well-roundedly that's not a word they're written in a very well-rounded fashion and it opens with an entire community of trans women and it was beautiful yeah and then and then it's interesting so i was it was quite welcome but unexpected how they introduced the whole concept of the basically the the Trojan War, which is they have Diomedes and Odysseus, like, come to Skiros, and they're just... I really liked him. I didn't want to like him because I never like Odysseus. He's a a dickweed. But he was so good. Yeah, so he comes, and he's all all cheeky, and he kind of has that just funny guy energy. And then he's all just like where's Prince Achilles? I'm looking for this prince that we all hear about. I mean, he's a little bit scrawny, but, you know, we're we're here to whisk him yeah. away for this war. And uh, Achilles is just like, LOL, I'm a woman, but I'm going to play dumb and pretend to have no idea what you're talking about. And I'll, I'll help you look for this Prince Achilles. And then, so it's great. So eventually, though, they discover it is indeed Achilles, but she's undergone like a mystical, magical transformation from the help of her godly mother, Athena, which is a departure from the, the normal, you know, sort of parentage mm-hmm. of, of Achilles, which I kind of appreciate. I really appreciated it. I 
think it, it was necessary. Yeah. I but think, I like it book. so much more. Why can't Achilles always be the daughter of Athena? You know, it's very poetic. But yeah, she she transforms her magically into a real woman, which I wasn't expecting. I when I kind of heard, you know, okay, Achilles is a trans woman through the book. I thought it she would just continue to you know be a trans woman, not transform. So that was kind of uh, shocking, but really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, she kind of gets uh whisked away to to war and then oh goodness i'm trying to remember what happens in the whole first half because there's so much going there's so much going on it's a lot yeah no a lot i'm like wait okay so i'm (laughs) so there's the kind of like this confrontation between achilles and her family who had been seriously abusive to her growing up as a trans girl in a world that obviously is very patriarchal. So you get kind of flashbacks of this abuse and she's thrown down a well and told she can't use the rope because the rope is only for for the boy Achilles. So you kind of have that whole fronting of trauma and confronting of childhood bullies, which again, I, th- I think very well done. And you just dislike really everyone except Achilles to begin with. You're just all mean homophobic bastards. I have no interest in any of you. Mm. Although I did kind of like Diomedes. Because he kind of was, you know. And Odysseus was... Odysseus just kind of didn't know because he was still under the impression that Achilles was a man. But Diomedes was kind of like... He didn't even give a hint as to like yeah. how he felt about the whole... He was just kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm here for this warrior man. Like, let's go. So, yeah, they, they go they go in the ships to meet up with the rest of the, the Greek force. And then you get Agamemnon introduced and he's like... Well, like you said, he's not a bad guy. He's described as this this tall, sort of suave, handsome, deep-voiced, green-eyed, glistening, thoughtful dude. And then, you know, as he's being described, you're just like, is this the same Agamemnon as... Is this a crush? I mean, the way he's written, I'm like, well... I mean, would I say no? I don't think so. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so weird to think about, because I'm just like, no, usually he's horrible. I know, I know you don't you don't like him. So one of the things, one of the other major departures for me was the Iphigenia thing. Yeah, I was expecting her to be dead, but then when he was like explaining, right, because she's supposed to be dead. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird because I was kind of expecting. Well, I don't know if I was expecting, but I was kind of thinking to myself as I was reading it, like okay, well, if they set it up as Agamemnon's like a romantic interest for Achilles, is this like, like, how do you get from this to the, you know, the spat of the stealing of the sport? So I was like, oh, so maybe they're not going to go that way. So I was like, unless, you know, she gets all protective of, uh, you know, Iphigenia and then, and then, you know, it's like, surprise, she's, she's killed. But they didn't take it that way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah. but what about the rain? I kept, yeah. I kept waiting for the sacrifice. I was like, okay, so we've got this child. She's a priestess of Hera. She's going to be sacrificed at some point. It, I, I'm prepared for it. I know the story. And then it just never happens. It's like, what is... Hmm. In, and then it, finally, I like they've been in Troy for months and she's still alive. <laughs> and I finally cotton on that actually this is not going to happen. I was like, oh, okay. Interesting. We'll just, we'll just go with it. You know, it was, again, interesting and really well done. And like, it, it gets more interesting as the book because i mean it's like it's we're just gonna it's not even that she doesn't get killed i was shocked that like they brought her with them to the Mm -hmm. war and i was kind of like okay maybe maybe they just you know use her to sort of do the ritual to to you know pray for fair wind and then you know they just kind of like peace out and leave her at home but i was like oh 
they're they're bringing her with them. <laughs> She's coming um, with us. So that yeah. was that was quite strange, but it 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 adds a, a certain dimension because her interactions with Achilles are quite funny. Actually, I found them quite funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The description of her kind of creeped me out a little bit. Because it's it, she's mm-hmm. she's a child, and then the the introductory inscription describes her decked out in this priestess regalia, and it describes a, a ritual that she does involving the first dead soldier in on the Greek side, and it's like, okay, so this is a child, but she's it's it's that creepy child not actually behaving like a child thing that for me is always very effective and and deeply unsettling, but I think it was it was used to very great effect and it it ties into for me how the gods as a whole are portrayed and we can we should come back to that after we finish our little or not so little summary of (laughs) of where the story goes Uh, i mean okay so Um, they they basically get to troy and then a a lot of the middle chapters mm -hmm. of the first half were basically describing battle so i guess i I wasn't super shocked because i mean there's only so many ways you can describe a battle i think the only thing that really shocked me was knowing how the iliad goes there's a billion smaller duels between the main players that break out and so i was kind of like Mm -hmm. oh so you know is ajax gonna fight is there gonna be the duel between paris Mm -hmm. and you know menelaus and at least in the first part of the book no and there's a lot more adventuring around mm-hmm. than i was expecting they just kind of up and leave yeah yeah they're like we're, we're just going to go on a cattle raid because why not also there are amazons which fantastic love it but no i was actually very maybe not relieved but it was mm-hmm. it was a welcome change for me to have a book about what is essentially a 10 year long war not be just sitting at a siege camp and going out to battle like the 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 narrative is so very focused on achilles i think that you bypass a lot of the maybe not boring stuff but a lot of the one-on-one jewels and you get these little skirmishes that i think maya has inserted into the narrative to make it like it gives you a chance to develop the relationships between the different characters and and i think it it that's really cool we should also talk about uh, mariapi i don't know if i'm saying that right i think so that's kind of how i pronounced it in my head too mariapi she is patroclus's wife and she's egyptian and the opening scene has her writing cuneiform And, okay, so I'm an Assyriologist. Cuneiform is absolutely my love. And I, it was it was wonderful. Not only was it, like, made my Assyriology heart happy, but because of where the novel is situated in history, it's, it's so historically accurate. Maybe not to have royals themselves writing, because she's a princess, but to have Cuneiform and Akkadian be the language of written communication. It was, it was amazing, and I just was very appreciative Maya has clearly done a sh- an awful lot of research when when um, i when i this. read that i was like i i could just imagine i was like oh this is gonna make megan so happy i was gonna be i was, I was like imagining your reaction <laughs> I, was just, I was like in my head i was i had you being like oh my gosh it's cuneiform it was wonderful it was wonderful and and i love the unique choice of making her egyptian too because i was kind of like you know okay you can give patroclus like a, a wife whatever you know she's probably gonna be right and then she's gonna be, be another like, greek not only and... is she egyptian but she can like speak seven languages and she does this that and the other thing and has all these skills mm-hmm. and talents i was like oh oh i was like she's amazing she's amazing 
all we do. We all should have. I mean, and then the the relationship um, also. I mean, I, I, the obviously we, we've we've talked a little about the relationship between Achilles and and Patroclus in this in this new format but uh, you know i was i was a little shocked at you know okay so how is the relationship with you know his wife Mm -hmm. gonna be because we've never had the situation and to have them be like getting drunk on their first night together and then be like we're besties let's be sisters forever and i'm you know and i'm like what (laughs) it's the female friendship we all want essentially and it, they like they kind of start off and Achilles is like, who the hell are you? What are you doing with my cousin? He's mine. And then Mariafi is just so genuinely awesome and a nice person, I think. And yeah, they get drunk together and, and wake up and like, they're inseparable. I mean, uh, even in her like little wonderful. housewifishness where it's like the first two seconds after she's like the, oh, hello, I am blah, blah, blah. Would you like, wait, am I saying that right? I, I don't know these customs. You know, like, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. And you're like, oh, you poor sweet thing. You're trying so hard. <laughs> you really want That's to like, make honey, a good you don't impression. have to try that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we meet, we meet Mariappi and Patroclus and then like there's, there's plots and things happen, but then Achilles, in an attempt to end the war early, like goes into Troy, disguises herself as a Trojan or Hittite, because in this book they're Hittites, which again, super awesome, love the historical context. But she disguises herself as a Hittite mourner and manages to get into the city without actually being stopped and goes to the temple and, and puts down the like the griefs, the, the yeah. griefs of the deceased person, supposedly, and then ends up like breaking in kind of like she does a little assassin's creed thing here which again very appreciative of she kind of like goes over the roofs and until she gets into the the palace and you you're kind of tipped off early well not early but you're tipped off before she meets helen that actually there's something not quite right here because it describes helen as being what she's standing yeah she's standing in the courtyard surrounded by mirrors that people are holding up to like so she can see her reflection and she's i think totally naked and Achilles is like, you you don't look like a prisoner. This is odd. And then when they meet, it's abundantly clear that Helen is A there because she wants, I'm saying A and B a lot. It's apparently my brain is working in, in bullet points today. It's she's, she's where she wants to be. And actually she is the one calling the shots in this entire situation. And Achilles just crumbles essentially because the plan of, end the war early everyone can go home no one else has to die is absolutely not going to work because helen's like if you try and take me i'm going to scream and this place is going to be full of soldiers and you don't have a hope in hell of surviving and also by the way i've got magic now so i'm going to like what she kisses her and then achilles wakes up in a field has lost right a month later has lost i think maybe her clothes and this super awesome knife that Poseidon had gifted to her in the ocean. And you're like, what in God's name is going on here? This is again, not a turn I was expecting it to take. Helen is this super powerful being who is encouraging and like I mean, fermenting she's described this as this calculating, like, I think Achilles, you know, goes in with a plan and she's just like, Okay, she's this captive. She's been described as having been stolen, damsel in distress. I'm just going to grab her and go. Like, easy peasy. And then gets in there. Absolutely fine. Oh, so... (laughs) 
tell us like what took you. I was expecting you so much earlier and you could have just walked in through the gate. Because... Why, why would I walk through the gate of, of you know, like, no. And uh, it's so funny how she's just like, well, are you going to come back? Because I kind of hadn't imagined, you know, what happens if you're unwilling to come with me. And she's this? just like, just, you know, I'll go with the strongest. Just win the war, you know, and just, I'll come with you. Um, yeah. You know, both both uh, Paris and Menelaus are just like chill guys. Uh, you know, one just took me, called me queen, and uh, now I'm chilling here as a goddess. Right, and as as Achilles is going into the city, there are all of these golden statues to Helen, and you're like, what? This yeah, is it was it was super like, trippy. It was huh. super trippy because I was just I was not. Weird. I mean, even if you just like give her magic, no. I was still I would be okay with she's just you know got a little magic. But I'm like, no, this is I'm gonna build empires to myself, and you will worship me as a golden yeah. idol, kind of trippy. And yeah. I was like, whoa, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Also, she's a lot more narcissistic than I thought. <laughs> she really is. She's awful. Okay, I just. But Easily like, the most dislikable character. Is Agamemnon kind of like the hot lover you wish you had? And Helen is like the <laughs> evil witch. More, more sympathetic than Helen. <laughs> this oh. world, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, not. And even like it even says in the in the the dust jacket, in the center of it all is the cruel immortal Helen who sees Achilles as a worthy enemy after a millennia of ennui and empty domination. You know going into it, there's she's a bad guy this is like the the damsel in distress trope is on its head somehow but she is so dislikable i didn't think i would really hate her as much as i I mean there's plenty of other portrayals i suppose where i didn't like her but i didn't hate her i was kind of just ambivalent you know but this is like i don't like her at all Mm -hmm. at all at all yeah yeah i wasn't expecting to not like her and then and then not only does she do that weird magic when achilles is trying to like just like sneak in and and capture her a little later they uh, achilles is told she needs to find some some weapons some magical weapons so she goes raiding to the the queen amazon's tomb to try to find the weapons and uh, like spoiler alert they're not there because helen was there first and she was like i'm just gonna you know plant a kiss here set a casual trap why not yeah (laughs) and the power of my my kiss will will just like you know (laughs) affect you and i I felt really bad for for uh, athena like the the owl just kind of gets well i mean she was defending achilles but i was still just like uh, cringing when i was reading how this poor owl is getting like scorched and 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 hurt and you're like oh no Not well, the owl, that please. and then I mean, talk about surprises. Did you expect to find Hera kind of oh, like? My God, I, I don't know. I don't like her, but I, I I don't hate her. And usually, I hate Hera. Yes, yes, yeah. Again, I, I'm not expecting her to be on the side of Achilles. Even like not expecting really anything about how the gods are portrayed, even a little bit. And you get in a lot of books, you do get this. Like the gods don't really care for human lives and they're so much further above us and we are but ants to them. Like, okay, yeah, fine. That I, I kind of expect that at this point. But these aren't even like pretending to be human. Not even a little bit. They are genuinely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. 
No, I mean, I kind of, I, I kind of like what Maya's done with it because, I mean, usually in any adaptations, it's, it's really hard to figure out like what do you do with the gods because even in the original, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, okay, so they're there and then they're not and they're sort of interfering. But mm-hmm. so it, so it is interesting that they always come to sort of in a, in a dream state, but then it's like something happens mm-hmm. and it's like, oh well, the goddess was looking out for you, and you're like, but it's like her symbol, but it's not really her, but. Or is it? I felt like it really kept mm-hmm. me on my toes where I was kind of like, okay, is this an owl that's just a, a random symbol, but like it's not representation or is it actually yeah, yeah. Athena? So that was really interesting. And then I guess we should probably mention that I really like what Maya's done with the intentional naming scheme because, you know, definitely mm. a lot of the original sort of Greek names are, are there, but then we also learn so many different variations from different cultures. And so then at any given point, you'll drop one of the names and be like, okay, wait, wh- which one is this again? Yeah. No, it's it's very cleverly done. And it's something that I think kind of shows the level of, of research that has gone into the book because synchronization or syncretization of deities is something like it's a historical fact. We know it happens. You can trace the connections and and what God or goddess morphs into which God or goddess in a different culture and having the very deliberate links drawn between all of them. I feel like I've seen it elsewhere before, but I think it's a very important way to round out the whole world, especially when you're talking about gods and goddesses in this case that are so like they're on a different absolutely a different plane of existence to the rest of the world and i think making sure you emphasize that um continuity over time and space really helps with the the otherness yeah well that and then you know a lot of gods especially like the egyptian ones are all gender bendy and 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 usually they're not as you know black and white as we make them so i do love how it, like my was connecting like athena to the aten and you, i don't know about you but i'd never really stopped to consider is aten actually like male or female i i just know aten and then when she's like yeah it's aten athena it's the same person and so it's a she i was like i uh, is it i mean i'm cool with that but uh, i'd never thought of it I yeah like, okay it's a she no it was it was interesting <laughs> sure we'll we'll go with it why on earth not no it was it was very cool and so once they've kind of had this thing with helen and they've tried to find the the amazon weapons oh we should talk about this yeah i was that was so interesting because i was not (gasps) expecting it i mean because i was the whole time i was thinking especially after the romance with like agamemnon i was kind of like how is perseus Mm. gonna yeah is it how's the perseus going to fit into this like agamemnon gonna find perseus but i'm also like but if we clearly spent the first half of the novel setting up that like, yes, Achilles now being a woman, she kind of is into men now. I mean, it doesn't mean she's not still bi in some way, but like, I mm-hmm. just felt like it'd be an awkward fit because it made such a big deal of describing how much she was longing for, for Agamemnon and just mm-hmm. describing her fascination, yeah. with like looking at the yeah. male form. So I was like, okay, but then how, d- how would that work? If Perseus is like a, a woman, is she suddenly just going to be like, no, <laughs> I like boobs too. I mean, why not? Yeah, but so Briseis is not only n- not the daughter of. Mm, I so I'm missing up my Iliad remembrances. Was mm-hmm. she a priestess in the original? Yeah. So she's not only not a priestess. She's not a she. He's 
an Amazon, a trans man in the Amazon tribe who, from the sounds of things, has gone through like a corollary to Achilles' experiences as a child because growing up in a tribe dominated by warlike women, they don't understand that this person in a woman's body is not actually a woman. He's a man. So it, it it kind of explains how he's had to essentially change his body, like give himself a double mastectomy. So, yeah, not, a is it mastectomy? No. Yeah. What's the word? Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry. To be taken seriously as a man by the rest of his tribe. And he actually betrays his his tribe out of vengeance, maybe, or... It did. It, it, it came off as vengeance. And then ends up traveling with, with Achilles and Meriapi yeah. and Patroclus to Egypt. Also, yeah. It, like, also, I'm just like, when did they have time to go to Egypt? I know! No, I was like, <laughs> Egypt? Why are they going to Egypt? This is really weird. And then when they're like, yeah, but we need grain because it's a 10-year-long war. And how do you think we got our food? We couldn't just steal from the like <laughs> that they're like oh oh that makes sense yeah that was unexpected no the trip to egypt was cool yeah also very unexpected but it was like a nice little diversion and again when you're writing a book about a war that lasts 10 years having something that changes the scenery a little bit and kind of moves the plot forward was i think a, a good thing and then yeah mariappi can do magic is the other thing. It doesn't really happen in the beginning of the book and then halfway through the first time, well, I guess a quarter of the way through the book, they're like, so Achilles is kind of a goddess now when the gods are moving in the world, so maybe Meriapi can do magic. And she does. And it's awesome. And they manage to learn or get the ability to speak and understand all languages ever, including the dolphin language. And I'm like, so, so jealous. You have no idea how jealous I am. That's amazing. Except it turns out dolphins are essentially sex pests. Yeah, but it's funny because I was just like, all of the creatures that we were going to portray, I don't think I was expecting dolphins. I would have been like, let's talk to horses or something. You know, the fact that Mariappi and the whole first half of the book, she's kind of just, you, you know, I've always wondered what dolphin speak is like. And... You're just like, what is her weird fascination with these things? This is so bizarre, yeah. And you're like, are you serious right now? And she's like, yes, I'm very serious. You know, (laughs) and you're sort of just kind of sitting there thinking, why? What, What is their grammar? How does it work? I don't know. And then they find out because they can talk to dolphins. And she's all like, you know... We're just bad linguists, so we're just disconnected from animals. We don't know what they're saying. And you're like, oh, okay, sure. Why not? I'm just a bad linguist. I don't know what they were saying. That's very inventive. And yet she she says a couple of times in the story, essentially, you don't want to speak to dolphins. After gaining the ability to speak to dolphins and after spending all this time wondering how dolphins speak, she's like, no, that was that was a bad move. No one speak to dolphins ever. Leave them alone. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know how far we could lean into the fact that they're the only mammals outside of humans that reproduce for fun rather than necessity. But she leans right into the dolphins and that they're like begging everyone, hey, why don't you take your clothes off? 
come into the water. Can we have sex with humans without drowning them? Which, you know, is again, not a debate I was expecting dolphins to be having, but apparently is a, a hot die topic laughing when I was reading. I was just like, this isn't even a conversation was, that I would be having in my own brain. No, I would not have imagined spending any seconds of my entire life imagining whether that was a thing that could or could not happen. And then, well... It did. <laughs> well, there we go. I will never forget this. Thank you, Maya. Yes, thank you so much, Maya. I mean, I know you hinted to it, but oh my gosh. But yeah, so we read up to chapter 19, which is kind of where they set off to Egypt. So 19, I'm assuming, is when they arrive in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they head out to Egypt and there's kind of a, a revelation for Mary Appy in like chapter 18. So throughout the that the first half of the book, she's a super devout person. She comes from the lineage of Ra and she prays regularly. And then Achilles kind of has to tell her. And this, this is revealed to Achilles by like Athena and Hera earlier on in, in the story. You get a bit of like backstory of the gods' war. But Achilles has to reveal to Mary Appy that actually Ra is dead and was killed by the other gods. And it just is like this huge, not even heartbreak. She's furious. She's absolutely incandescently furious. And it's, it's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be as well. I mean, look, if you spend how many years of your life being like, I'm going to sacrifice Mm -hmm. everything and pray to Ra all the time. And then have someone, she didn't like kind of be revealed. Yeah. She didn't know Mm. that this would crush her sister's soul. It was a very matter of fact way. Like, "Mm, Oh yes. And Ra's dead. And like what? By the way. So then that made me think of, you know, like if someone had this big revelation and told me this in such a matter of fact way, and it was like, yeah, just get Mm. over it. That was, yes, it was. I don't know. I mean, I guess since we did mention it, since Maya clearly did a lot of research to tie all these cultures together, mm-hmm. there are certain others. Are there certain names? I suppose that you prefer in the book that she uses that maybe aren't the traditional ones or the way she refers to a place or a thing. I liked. I liked in. I think closer to the beginning one of the camp councils between all of the kings um they were talking about the names the place names of of some of the cities and one of i think maybe agamemnon said well they're like they all have the same name and patroclus is like actually they don't they have different names we're just really bad linguists and we never bothered learning what the actual place names were and Agamemnon was like I suppose your wife told you that and he's like yes yes she did um I enjoyed that quite a lot because it it felt kind of I don't know I don't know if it was intended to be a dig at like western colonialism but it was it it came across as that and I I thought that was quite clever yeah I don't have a problem I mean I read that and was kind of like, oh, we're just pointing to that we're kind of awful and we don't care to, you know, learn mm-hmm. the things. But that yeah, tracks. I was like, okay. So I kind of read it and it was just kind of like, okay, yep, yep, agree. 
cool. I kept going. <laughs> Which is funny because I know some people who might have read that and like, so I do love how I read that. And I was like, okay, yes, I agree. Let's keep going. How about you? What what names really caught your attention? You know, actually, like we know Iphigenia, but I really like how she's called Iphianasana. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I liked it a lot. And, you know, she's changed around a lot of the mm-hmm. epitaphs for some of the gods as well, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're they're all so unique. I liked the, the little, not really tangent, but again, near the beginning, there's this flashback of Achilles. And so I don't know Greek. I'm going to like say that right now. I don't know Greek. They were, Achilles was remembering her family using her name and using the male form of the name and flatly refusing to use the female form. And I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So that was educational for me, but it was an interesting like corollary to dead naming modern in modern trans life. And then you have something similar when Briseis turns up because Briseis is not called Briseis. And I don't actually know how to pronounce it with the W. Briseis. It was Briseis. That works. I like it. And it like, it's a really good indication because you you read it and you're expecting Briseis and you're expecting like a timid priestess and then it's not either a timid priestess or Briseis it's Briseis who is this badass trans Amazon soldier warrior type man and you're like whoa not only are you super attractive as written but you're a completely different character and different personality to what we would expect yeah no I definitely agree and it's interesting because I will also admit that while I, I did major in classics, I took one semester of ancient Greek and then I I invested mm. like two years in modern Greek at different times. Not consecutively, but I've had more modern than ancient. So I don't remember a lot of how ancient works, but I thought it interesting because just thinking about the names in the modern context, you know, she was describing it it's Achilleos as the male, and then the female mm. version should be Achilleos. And it's interesting because in the modern Greek, a lot of os endings are still male names. So I was mm. sitting there because I look at these names and it's more modern than ancient Greek. This. And I was just thinking like you would say Achilleos mm. in the modern Greek and it's still kind of a male form. So... I was, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 maybe it's I'm 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 embarrassed because I'm not remembering, but I do find it quite interesting, and it shows the difference between ancient and modern Greek, if anything. So, yeah, it was really interesting, and the names I just those were really interesting as well. And I also admit that a lot of these versions, like I've not actually read or seen any of these versions before or in a very long time. So mm-hmm. a lot of it was like me being mm-hmm. confused and like, wait, 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 is this right? Does this track? I think so. It sounds right, but I don't remember. No, it was all of it, I think, very, very well done. And I mean, I highly recommend it to really anyone who enjoys historical fiction and likes Greek mythology is beautifully written. And I love how I think one thing that really stood out to me as well is that obviously it's not good, but 
there have been people, obviously, who take stabs at writing stories, you know, from a different perspective, who aren't, who don't identify as such. And I think it's quite lovely, you know, mm. a trans story comes from a trans author. And a lot of what's being described, it comes off so well. Because it sounds like it could be personal. It's lived experience, yeah. Yeah, experience. So even then, I think it's like chapter two when Achilles is kind of describing the shame of having a male body, mm-hmm. you know. It's like reading through a story through the lens of Achilles. But, you know, I found myself being like, oh my God, you know, this is also interesting. Mm-hmm. Is this how it really feels if you're trans? You know, so it was so compelling for that reason as well. And it sort of transcended the story itself. Mm -hmm. It was very poignantly written. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciated it. So just writing, you know, that Achilles was Mm -hmm. ashamed of people seeing her body as she, you know, has to, like, volumize her chest, this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about being petrified of people discovering, I think, like, that she's inevitably a boy. And she was first kind of dreading being found out by Odysseus and Diomedes. And she's, you know, she was like, oh my god, well, they're gonna find me out. So, well, this is embarrassing, but they're gonna do it. So I should, you know, figure it out. Like, yeah, they're gonna make me strip. They're gonna make me strip, and yeah. Yeah, you know, they're... I can't hide the shame that I'm physically male. So I was really intrigued because I didn't want to see it. But if it had actually been a scene in the book, I wonder how it would have been handled. But luckily, mm-hmm. the goddess magic just made the problem go away. Right. When Athena intervenes. Yeah, Athena intervenes. So when I read that she's like in a dream and she's kind of agreeing that she'll make Achilles a woman, I was like, oh, okay, we're just going to talk about it being a fear and skip it, luckily, thankfully, and just, you know, oh, I am physically a woman now. Yeah, I wasn't entirely disappointed by the turn of events or that just goddess magic solved everything. I mean, that would make a lot of things easier, right? If you were just like, I'm dreading this. Oh, goddess magic. It solved. It's just not going to happen. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So I did really appreciate that. But yeah, it's beautifully written. It's very witty. It is. It's very funny. And clever. I I keep saying how clever it is. It really is very, very clever. I mean, were you expecting it to kind of be this funny? Or were you expecting it more serious? I think more serious. And less joyful if that's maybe the right way to term it because even though they're in the middle of the war Achilles is like there's this contagious joy a I mean Achilles is a quintessential warrior and it seems genuinely takes delight in being in battle but then the relationship between Achilles and Patroclus and Mariappe is so it's just wholesome and it's love and it's joy and it's very very like pleasant to read about and you you kind of it's easy to put yourself in those shoes and and think about yourself being with people you love and people you're close to and you're like oh this is again not what I was expecting in a book about a war but very welcome and also that the sort of friendship she has with Odysseus and Diomedes she's like hey let's 
be a buddy team up and go on these yeah. raiding quests. Yeah. Let's go raid the cattle and... And you're just like, y'all like brawling out over here. Just, just having fun. Yeah, it's it's the ancient Greek equivalent of, I don't know, going golfing or something. A little more dangerous <laughs> for sure. But let's go on a dangerous golf trip here. Where, you know, your golf clubs might suddenly turn on you and attack you. <laughs> oh, also, very much not expecting. So we've kind of talked about the relationship between Achilles and Agamemnon. Was not expecting sex. No. Not even. I was like, are we doing this? Apparently we are. Okay. I mean, usually I was like, yeah, this was... It was marketed as YA. It's it's YA, right? Oh, or something. Actually, so the cover looks very YA, but I don't know where it sits. I think it was. And mm. that was my confusion because I don't know where it actually sat because I was thinking it was going to be more like a Percy Jackson type of book. I was expecting more, yeah, Percy yeah, Jackson, so Hunger Games kind of level. Then it's like full on... Yeah. And then Achilles breaks into Agamemnon's bedchambers on the ship yeah, and is being, like, I'm yeah, having my way with rain, you, sir. Like the thunderstorm. And you then, go, girl. you know, she's even like, well, he has a wife, he's married, but I don't care. I and then, then it's like the graphics just sort of. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Like what's being described is very graphic. And then there's that one war council scene, right? Where she was just like, <laughs> I could spend my time paying attention to this war council and strategizing. Or I could not. But I'd rather, like, just focus on your eyes and what I'm trying to remember, uh, or that's how she describes it. And then you're like, wait, okay, so she just waits until they're alone. And then she propositions him, and I'm like, okay, that's unexpected. I was like, okay, well, they're still waiting, so is this relationship going to turn sour? Because I know, like, in the original... It does, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it does. Well, the whole Iliad is... Yeah, is they don't have a good relationship. Achilles sulking in his tent. Yeah. And it, like, none of that... Well, uh, no, actually, that's a lie. But there's no disagreement between Agamemnon and Achilles. They, they have a really... I know good relationship and i was i was also expecting a lot more like transphobia from the other kings and the other royalty yeah and i was pleased that that wasn't the case they're all very much you're a woman okay you're still a warrior we still need you to win this battle and it, it was nice because it 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 kind of again moved the story forward it wasn't it didn't dwell on, I didn't feel like it dwelt on the negative, hurtful aspects of how people can relate to trans people. It was like after the childhood trauma part, it was actually, everyone was, I would say, pretty accepting and just treated Achilles like the woman she was, which is a woman with a big goddamn spear who can and will fuck you up. It was great. We really need to put a language warning on these podcasts. Oh, of course. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're talking about the ancient world stories where there's like sex, drugs, and not alcohol, but sort of alcohol, yeah. but you know, whatever. But yeah, no, I mean, I think we both just keep saying that we love this book and it's amazing, but it really is shocking, but like shocking in the best way possible. And then there's so many unexpected things that you and I were like, wait, what? 
Okay. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I was expecting more transphobia from the Kings only because she doesn't mm-hmm. meet anyone. I mean, she doesn't meet anyone until after she's transformed physically into a woman. And I don't know if you got this, but my sense was that when they kind of were like, oh, we remember you, they always kind of remembered her as just a scrawny, small, but powerful warrior. This little kid, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if it dawned on them, because it feels like she was really kind of secretive about the fact that she was a trans woman only because she only ever wanted them to know her as a woman. Mm -hmm. And at that point, she was too small of a child for anyone to really notice or know mm-hmm. beyond so maybe that's just me but i don't no, i don't it was, know it was it weird was but you know. also the cover is beautiful i we have to say that the cover is just, so beautiful stunning and i think before we even read the book we were in rhapsodies over the cover you should just everyone stop what you're doing and google it because it is gorgeous i mean the cover is what sparked a billion of our discussions wasn't mm-hmm. it where we just, I think yeah. we geeked out about the cover itself for like 20 minutes. Just, yeah, I would totally pay the cover artist to, you know, paint that in yep. my house. And yep. yeah, and this has got me really excited to read the second half of the book. I mean, you know, I just couldn't put it down and was like, oh no, I have other things to do, but I just want to read it. It was it was very compelling. I didn't find, like sometimes in books there's slower bits and you're like, I'm going to take a break. It was actually very difficult to, for me to put this down and attend to my actual life. It's like, no, I want to read more about Achilles. It's very important. Everyone else go away. It's just a kind of book where you want to lock yourself in a room for like a week. Not mm-hmm. even. I don't yeah. I don't think you'd need a week to I mean, you basically just read and read and if you read, you mm-hmm. would finish it in like a night maybe. I mean, I read the entire seventh Harry Potter book in like twenty four hours. So you could do this in like twelve if you just sat and read, yeah. but I kind of liked that because I actually had to do stuff in between reading chapters. It was really fun. It was like a TV series where, you know, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to read these three chapters now and then, you know, stop at a cliffhanger and then run and do this stuff or you have to sleep a bit and then wake up and then read a chapter. Yeah, so it was really kind of cool to have it broken up into segments, yeah. If you're listening and want to read, don't feel like you have to read it in one segment Mm -hmm. You might want to, but you don't have to because it's written in a way where it's still compelling enough that you can stop because it's not like I have to know what's more, what's coming unless maybe you're in like a certain chapter, but that's okay. I I have to know what's coming sometimes, Mm -hmm. but yeah, you can definitely break it up, but it's, it's so good. It's, it's just so fun. Well, that seems like a really good place to stop. And I hope everyone will join us next week for part two of Wrath Goddess Sing. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at The Reading Party Podcast. If you'd like to leave us a book or movie suggestion, then email us at thereadingpartypod at gmail.com. See you next week. Mm-hmm.